Skywatch, the novel, a look and read book by Derek Farmer. Chapter 8 The Pilot. The Pilot spoke. None of them understood German, but the gun said everything. A second voice spoke. Just stay still. Mary was sitting on the floor, not far away. How long have you been here? Norman asked. A few minutes. The pilot was slumped over to one side. With a groan of pain, he tried to straighten himself up. He's hurt, Mary told them. Badly hurt. The pilot grunted something else at them. What did he say? gulped Dennis. I don't know, Polly answered. But whatever it is, do it. The pilot signalled them to sit next to Mary. Slowly they edged their way across and slid to the floor. The gun never left them for a moment. The pilot's uniform was heavily bloodstained and his left arm was broken. His face was pale and drawn. He looked as though he was about to pass out. Again he struggled to sit up. He propped his right arm on his left knee so that his luger was pointing at the children. The gun seemed to fill the greenhouse. They couldn't take their eyes off it. For a while, time stood still. They might have been there for two minutes or two hours. Then the end of the gun started to drop down. The pilot was drifting into unconsciousness. Slowly, Mary started to inch forward. Polly tried to stop her, but Mary was determined to carry on. Silently, she edged towards the gun. Finally, she was within arm's length. She reached out to grab the drooping barrel. Suddenly, it flicked back into position. The pilot was awake again, eyes wide open, staring at Mary, the gun pointing straight at her, for a moment he seemed uncertain what to do, but then he realised he was in a hopeless situation. He'd gone as far as he could go. And anyway, he had no wish to harm the children. He loosened his grip on the gun and let Mary take it away from him. As Mary eased the gun out of his hand, he slumped sideways in a faint. Water! Mary ordered. Get him water! Polly found an old jam jar and ran to a stream in the woods to get water for the pilot. Between them, they managed to sit him up and get him to take a few sips. Slowly, his eyes opened and he muttered his thanks. He must be hungry, said Mary. Have you got anything to eat? Only this, 
Norman showed Mary the birthday cake that he had saved for her. He'd better have it, said Mary. Bit by bit they fed the cake to the pilot. He was very hot. His temperature was sky high. Mary poured cold water onto her handkerchief and wiped his face. He needs a doctor, Mary told them. They knew that what Mary had said was true, but there was a problem. If they fetched a doctor to the pilot, then Granger would find out that they had been in the greenhouse. Worse than that, he would realise that Mary had been meeting with the others. Then she would be in real trouble. You'd better go, Norman told Mary. Then Granger needn't know that you've been here. All right, said Mary, but please hurry. I'll go down to the telephone box by the bridge, said Polly. I can telephone Dr Simpson from there. Mary and Polly left Norman and Dennis looking after the pilot. Say if he needs more water, said Dennis. Norman put the jam jar to the pilot's lips and he took another drink. He smiled weakly and spoke a few words. Then he tried to push himself forward. Just stay still, Norman told him. There will be help soon. But the pilot was feeling behind him trying to get hold of something with his good arm. Norman reached behind and pulled out a small waterproof wallet. The pilot nodded his thanks. He took out some photographs and a letter and gave them to Norman. He indicated his uniform pocket. Norman slipped them into the pocket. Then the pilot gave the wallet to Norman. He wants us to have it said Dennis. Inside the wallet there were papers that were something to do with his flight plans. The boys leafed through them. They weren't certain what they were. But Norman was sure of one thing. If anybody found out about them, they'd be taken away. I'd them, said Dennis. There was an old biscuit tin in a pile of rubbish. Norman pulled it out. This'll do he said. They put the papers inside, replaced the lid and pushed it back among the rubbish. We'll come back for them later, said Norman, when there's nobody around. Behind them, the pilot groaned and slumped to one side. Norman and Dennis rushed to help him, but just then the greenhouse door crashed open. It was Granger. He had a shotgun. It was pointing at the pilot. Don't shoot him, shouted Norman. What makes you think it's him I'm going to shoot? Granger snarled. He looked as though he meant it. But the next minute, Polly burst in. Dr Simpson's gone to Wenham, she gasped. So Miss Millington's phoned Mr Jenkins. He's on his way. Norman and Dennis stared open-mouthed. Why had Polly brought Granger, of all people? What did you have to go and get Granger for? Norman demanded later. I didn't mean to, stupid, said Polly. I was trying to get a lift to the phone box when he came along. 
The pilot had been carried from the greenhouse to the front of Westbourne Hall. He was now being loaded into the back of Jenkins' car. A crowd had gathered. Everybody was keen to see a real, live German pilot. Mr Jenkins had brought the village policeman and Vivian Belling out with him. She was taking photographs as two of the farm workers lifted the pilot onto the back of Jenkins' car. As they did so, one of the men knocked against the German's broken arm. He shouted out in agony. Watch out for his arm, Belling told them. He says it's broken. Leaning into the car, Belling said something to the pilot. She spoke in fluent German. Did you hear that? whispered Polly. That proves she's a spy. Jenkins and the policeman climbed into the car and set off for the hospital. The crowd started to drift away. It was all over. But Vivian Belling wandered across to speak to Granger. I bullied Mr Jenkins into bringing me out here, she said. And now I'm stuck. I don't suppose you could run me back? Granger smiled. Yes, of course, Miss Belling. I've got one or two things to do first. Just come in for a minute. Granger started to leave Belling inside. Then he remembered Polly, Dennis and Norman. I'm warning you three, if I catch you on my land again, I'll be pointing my shotgun at you for real. Now, get out of here. Polly, Norman and Dennis didn't need telling twice. They raced back to Wells Farm. As they ran into the farmyard, they met Luigi. Hey, you late, Signora Amy, she look for you. When she find you... Luigi pretended to pass a knife across his throat. His meaning was clear. Amy was on the warpath. A moment later, Amy appeared in the doorway. And where have you three been all this time? she demanded. Whatever you do, don't mention the guns, Polly whispered to the others. King, said Amy. Norman, Polly and Dennis trooped into the house. Amy lined them up in front of her. She listened with growing horror to their tale of the German pilot. Goodness me, she said at the end. You might have all been murdered. What would have happened if he'd had had a gun? But he did have, said Dennis. Polly and Norman looked daggers at him. What? said Amy. Dennis tried to think of a way out of the mess he was in. He did have a, a broken arm, he told Amy. So he wouldn't have been able to use a gun, would he? Amy stared at Dennis. Her gaze was full of suspicion. But before she could question him any more, there was a knock at the door. Private Wilson was there with Luigi just behind him. Luigi didn't look happy. What's wrong with him? Amy asked. He won't be coming tomorrow, said Wilson. He's being moved to another farm. Moved? Amy was shocked. What's the matter? She questioned Luigi. Don't you like it here? Luigi was upset. No, I want to come, please, he begged Wilson. Sorry, said Wilson. Nothing to do with me. 
They say they're sent where they're most needed, he told Damie. But just between you and me, I think somebody's been pulling the strings. He's being sent to Westbourne Hall. Westbourne Hall. So Granger had used his influence to get Luigi moved, to make life more difficult for Amy. Wilson walked away, but Luigi remained. You're very kind, Mrs Amy, he said. This for my thanks. He handed Amy a wooden crucifix that he had carved himself. There were tears in Amy's eyes. Thank you, she told him. I hope one day you go back to your home in Italy. Sadly, Luigi walked away. Desperately, Amy blinked back the tears. I won't let Granger beat me, she said. We've managed before and we'll manage again. But in spite of Amy's determination, Polly, Norman and Dennis knew that Granger was winning. Something had to be done soon if he was to be stopped. We could go to the police, said Polly, as they moved the cows into a new field. He's got plenty of money and lives in a big house. Who's going to believe us when we tell them he's a spy, said Norman. Polly knew that what Norman said was true. We need to catch them, red-handed then, she said. Him and Vivian Bellin, then they'll have to believe us. But that seemed like an impossible task. For the first time, they had doubts about whether they would ever be able to stop Granger. At Westbourne Hall, though, Mary had no such doubts. She was determined to find out what Granger was up to when he went out after dark. From her bedroom, she watched as Granger and Millington stepped out into the night. They spoke a few words, then walked off in different directions. Mary slipped downstairs and out through the front door. In the distance, Granger was disappearing into the trees. She hurried after him. It was foggy and dark, but Mary was going to stay on Granger's trail, no matter what the risk. Last night, 